The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me as usual is Rick. How are you, mate? Very, very well. What about you? Not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. I've recovered from the uh, disappointing weekend and yeah, uh, feeling pretty good today. Glad you have. I haven't. <laughs> I got into got into my book business and... Uh, and one of my uh, employees walks around the corner with a with a big grin on his face and a horrible crow's guernsey on, um, which uh, very very disappointed me immensely. Mm. And then uh, my agnostic accountant decided to come in and uh, also throw a few barbs at me about the crows beating Port, even though oh. apparently he doesn't follow football. So, uh, but you know what? I didn't. Mate, you need to liaise with better people. I think. Well, I didn't start a fight in the office, and uh, I just sucked it up and uh, threatened them with uh, being fired, that's all. <laughs> you just started a fight on the hill, am I right? Yes, that's exactly right. That's it. I thought that was you. No, not me, mate. Not me. No. No? No. no. What do you think about all that? Well, it's just a bit silly, isn't it? Like, you know, enough's enough with this sort of thing. It's not really necessary. Well, I can't see what benefit it adds. But I guess you get booze and uh, people with high emotions and uh, a bit aggressive together, and that's what's going to happen, I guess. Yeah, I don't think it's really acceptable, though. It's it's a bit... And I, I think it's just embarrassing for the sport. You know, not even mm. a particular footy club. I just think for the sport overall, it's... Um, um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's just embarrassing. I mean, I, I was sitting in Bay um, three eleven in the you know the sort of the corporate members tickets. You know, so if you're part of the captains club or player sponsor, you can get tickets in that section of this um, stand. Mm. And um, and there was a woman throwing punches um, <laughs> at a guy, and they got evicted. It's just out of control. Yeah. 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 No, it was a bit more uh, bit more calm where I was. We were sat in front of um, a few Loudmouth Crow supporters uh, and things could have kicked off if uh, if uh, we were a bit more aggressive because they, uh, mm. they were pretty aggressive themselves. But it was all good fun, good banter. So that's how it I mean, be. look, Yeah, look, I guess... Um, uh, Part of my part of the problem is, I guess, that there's certain elements that go to antagonise, don't they? And we know it's a highly charged environment, and uh, some people don't need to be provoked, and some people just go out of their way to provoke. Mm. So uh, very true, mate. Very true. Yeah. Well, let's get into our love and hate. One thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port on the weekend. Uh, what was your love, mate? Um, geez, what a texture. Ollie Wines. Mm. I love Dolly. I mean, he's leading the Coaches Association Award at the moment. Um, how old is he now? 22? Yeah, about that. Yep. Um, just amazing. He's just tidied up his disposal a little bit. He's, he's really our leader on, as a 22 year old, he is really our leader on the field and, if he got captaincy at the end of, at the start of next year, would he be one of our youngest captains? Uh, quite possibly, yeah. Because well, I think definitely, he's really think. He, he's really the standout person to be our next captain, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, for sure, yeah. There, there's no mm. doubt about that at all. I mean, it's between him and Ebert, really. But um, you would think they uh, would go with Wines as the next captain because he's uh, significantly younger. Um, and we'll have time to grow into the role, um, you would think. But yeah, look, he's my love as well. He, he's been absolutely stunning this year, and he looks to be moving a lot more freely than he was this time last year as well, which uh, I think is having a huge impact in his uh, in his midfield play. And you know, he's um, he's getting a lot of the ball, winning a lot of clearances. He's kicking goals as well. He's um, far and away our best player at the moment, and uh, he's finally having the year that we all knew he could. He's been uh, almost there for a while, but. Um, 
now it looks like he's uh, he's finally got there and uh, is becoming one of the elite. Yeah, he's a, an amazing player and um, he deserves to be leading the Coaches Association of the award at the moment. But uh, hopefully he can continue it on and uh, be that inspirational leader that we're looking for. Yeah. Most importantly, I think, is that um, his disposal in the first three weeks has uh, improved dramatically on what we've seen in the last couple of years. Absolutely. And uh, I guess we'll go to game style and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I think he's still benefiting from, even though Power Pepper had a bit of a quiet game, um, I still think he's benefiting from having that a little bit of extra big body support in there as well. But, uh, yeah, what an inspirational player he is becoming. That's it. Uh, what was your hate? Uh, well, we sort of addressed the hate. So can I hate an individual player? Yeah. That's a bit harsh, though, isn't it? Nah. Nah? I really hate the fact that Sam Gray hit the post in the last quarter. Mm. I, As you know, because you received a text from me about 30 <laughs> seconds, and I'm sure you were waiting for it. But um, that really killed the momentum of the game for us because you know, it should, he should have kicked it. We would have been one point behind. I think that would have been like three goals in a row to us. Uh, we would have been carrying a lot of momentum and uh, instead, he, uh, you know, a dead set sitter, um, and uh, basically the crows take it down the other end of the ground and uh, and just kick a goal, and you know that was pretty much the nail in the coffin. And you know, I guess you know, all jokes aside, it's it's not good to pick on an individual player, but you know, he's had more more than enough opportunities at senior level over the last three seasons to sort of cement a place, and unfortunately. Um, um, in the big games, he uh, he doesn't uh, have the composure and can cost us games. And as far as I'm mm. concerned, I'm almost willing to put a line through that name, as harsh as that sounds. It's The main thing that's disappointing for me is that we are now playing him back in the small forward role, which he failed at a couple of years ago, before he became a half-reasonable midfielder for a little bit. Um, he's not good in that role. He doesn't have the composure. He doesn't have the skill level. Um, he doesn't kick goals. All he is is a sheepdog at the moment that's sort of uh, chasing after people. Um, yes. And that's fine, but you know we can find other players that can do that. I mean, Need does that as well, but at least every now and then he kicks a goal. Um, and you, you just knew as soon as Sammy Gray got that ball that something bad was going to happen. Like he was either going to hit the post or kick it out on the full or have it smothered. Because that's what always happens. Um, yeah. And as I said in my um, post-game review, which was again was probably a bit harsh, was that he's not good enough and he arguably never was. Um, I don't think he's going to get there. Um, so, yeah. Look, if, if we're going to play Sammy Gray, he's got to play further up the field, not in a forward pocket. The forward pocket does not work, has never worked, and never will work. Um, so it's either wing or nothing, as far as I'm mm. concerned. And there's at the moment there's probably better wing options than him, so he needs to rely on injuries really to yeah. to get an opportunity. But yeah. um, anyway, that's enough bashing because it wasn't all his fault. However, no, certainly uh, not. Certainly not. So but, uh, it, it definitely was a uh, it, it was a um, momentum killer. That's for sure. We've had a couple mm-hmm. of hates on the forum from uh, Porsche and uh, Ryan Pillar, and it's both. Uh, at the possible return of uh, Matty Loby. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit as well. Um, uh, my hate was that we reverted back to how we played through 2015 and 16 when the pressure went up. Um, mm. Gone was the uh, that methodical, calm uh, way that we disposed and, and structured um, through defence, uh, especially against Sydney. Uh, not so much against Freo because we thrashed them, but the way that we were able to sort of move the ball against Sydney... Uh, was fantastic and uh, it was replaced with the bomb and hope of the last couple of years on the weekend and uh, that pretty much cost us the game I thought. Uh, when the pressure went up we reverted back to type and that was uh, bitterly disappointing for me. Yeah, yeah I get that. It, um, it, was, an, it was an amazing change really because we were looking pretty solid like our game plan was holding up and I guess you, we'll go into it in a little bit but yeah we just we just seemed we just really panicked and lost our structure, didn't we? And I guess it was a bit disappointing 
as a supporter because we sort of had this hope that we were making forward progress and yeah we just sort of reverted yep absolutely now let's talk mm. about uh, the big news for today which is that Paddy Ryder has been suspended for one match uh, could be two if we choose to challenge and it fails um, obviously for his uh, strike or alleged strike on uh, Rory O'Reilly Knight one of the Rory O'Reilly's um, how is this going to affect us against GWS mate because uh Mumford uh, pretty easily beat both uh, Loby and Trengove last year. He got Brownlow votes in one match. Um, so which path do we go down again? Do we try tr- uh, Trengove? Uh, or is he going to be too valuable down back with Homsch out as well? Look, uh, I think Mumford will be way too strong for Trengove um, through body mass size. And I actually think that maybe this is a reasonable matchup for Loby to come back in and uh, and sort of pair up against... Mumford and if he can just sort of negate his body size and, and sort of just get the ball to ground for our midfielders, that's um, close enough for a win for us. Obviously, Ryder would have been a lot uh, more convenient to sort of leap over the top of um, uh, Mumford, but uh, at least, uh, I think at least physically, uh, Loby should be able to compete in that state. What do you think? I'm really not sure. <sighs> I don't know about bringing Loby back in, but I, I kind of agree that he's probably the better option of the two. Trengove got smacked last in the later game last year. I think it was something like 50 hitouts to 10, and uh, Trengove just couldn't get any of his uh, clearance work going against Mumford. Um, but then Mumford got Brownlow votes against Loby in the early game last year as well. So I don't know. I think um, if Loby is to come in, he'll, he'll certainly physically try and match it with him. It's just... We all know what his ruck work's like. When he gets hands on the ball, it tends to go to the opposition, and we just absolutely cannot afford that to happen against uh, GWS. Mm. Yeah, no. I mean, look, GWS is starting to get a roll on now, so um, we need to be able to uh, compete at um, ground level. And uh, I'm still optimistic that Loby can can sort of offset Mumford's influence. I mean, I'm not going to come out and say that he can be a match winner for us. If he can, I'll be amazed. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think that he can actually do some negating there, that's for sure. And I guess mm. I don't think Billy Frampton's up to it. I saw him in the change rooms last week um, before the game, whatever, the Fremantle game, and uh, I don't think the kid's big enough yet. You know? I think yeah. size-wise he's still behind Jackson body mass wise so I think you know throwing Frampton in would be just crazy um, so I guess um, really he's the uh, he's the only alternative at the moment I, is it more should we be more disappointed with the fact that um, Ryder got himself rubbed out well I was just about to go on a bit of a rant and say how incredibly pissed off I am at Paddy for this and this is something that we had all last year as well wasn't it? Especially through the first sort of six or seven weeks last year. Every single week we were commenting, oh, Robbie Gray's got himself reported or Hammer's got himself reported. It happened about four or five times in the in the first couple of months last year. And so far we're three weeks into the, into the season and we've had four players up for report. Uh, a couple in the preseason. With, and, and they're all with absolutely stupid things. Like how many times has Hammer been reported for punching someone in the stomach? Must be about four mm. or five times now. And for Ryder to do... Like, he didn't have to do this. Like, he chose to run at someone and knock them over. Whether he hit him or not, doesn't matter. You put yourself in that situation, you risk getting burnt. It's it's absolutely fucking not good enough for a senior... Fourth senior player so far this year have done this. Not good enough. Pull your fucking mm. heads in. Jeez, you are angry. You're even swearing. Well, you know, careers are on the line here. We've had two absolute shit-out seasons and we, we've got senior players doing this sort of thing and rubbing themselves out. Yeah. You know, he's 29 years old. No one cares that you missed last year anymore. Pull your head in and play some football. Yeah. I agree with you. I won't swear because you've done it anyway. But <laughs> it's... Um, well, it's a lack of leadership as well, isn't it? It is. You know? It's a big lack and, of leadership. And what we needed is some physicality around... Uh, the contest um, more so than sniping off the ball. And regardless if he hit him in the head or not, 
um, it doesn't matter. It was way off the ball, and it and it deserved a suspension. And I mean, we can go on about the um, uh, what is it, Charlie Cameron incident? Yeah, I mean that could have been worth a suspension. But I would have rather well, probably should have been it. as well, to be honest. But but I mean, I've I would have preferred um, you know. Um, our players going over there and remonstrating with him and being physical there, you know, that's, I mean, that's where we probably are lacking that bit of wisdom and physicality in our game in choosing the right time to actually get physical and stand up for our players um, because I don't think we're doing that enough and the, those snipes really aren't the way to go about Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's get on to some questions. Um, CT Power has asked, uh, where is Jarman Impey at? I really liked Jarman the last two games. And I thought against the Crows, he might not have been the game changer, but I thought Jarman at least tried bloody hard. And he was always trying to take the game on and trying to create run and carry. And that's his job. And um, so I've been quite comfortable where Jarman's at at this point in time. I thought he was all right last week. This week, he was a little bit disappointing, I thought. He, he did certainly try and get things going. Um but more often than not, sort of ran himself um, in or teammates into trouble. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I really, really want Impey to become the player that he can become because I think he's got incredible athletic traits. I think he's a pretty good user of the ball. He can kick goals. He can run super bloody fast. We need that sort of player um, to really make it, I think. And um, he's almost there. He's just got to go that extra 5 10%. Yeah, but he's still a he's still a younger player, and he, he's getting there. And um, yeah, look, I think he's one of the lesser concerns that we have at this point in time. Mm. That's it. Uh, Andre has asked: uh, Is Hinkley too slow to make changes during quarters when oppositions get a run, or is it mostly on the players, or a bit of both? Mm. Well, I guess I, I was sort of questioning the, especially the Rory Laird. He was the one, I don't know if it was because he was wearing the long sleeves, but he was the one that was most noticeable to me. Rory Laird. Uh, Atkins was wearing the long sleeves. Oh, is it Atkins? Whatever. Yeah. yeah they're all Crows players. Um, they're both 20, Rory's, 21, so... 21 for the Crows. Yeah, Atkins. He was, I thought he was quite damaging at the stoppages. He was in and under, yeah. buzzing around, and he was just completely unaccountable... Uh, from a Port Adelaide perspective, no one was manning him up the whole game. Mm. And he was getting good ball and using it well. And, uh, I mean, to me, yeah, and then you got Rory Sloan, best on ground. Um, we did seem, I don't know, were, were we just confident in our players being able to go head-to-head with theirs and um, we just didn't get the chocolates this game? Is it as simple as that? I'm not sure what sort of... Um changes we really could have made i mean we really needed to work on the sort of structural changes in terms of what we were doing trying to get the ball out of the defensive 50 were a joke um and they certainly could have changed but i did like the way that we were trying to move the ball uh, once we got through that uh we certainly tried to run and, and beat them with pace and it did work uh, a lot of the time um our forward structure was a little bit off but i don't know it was one of those sort of i don't know yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think Hinkley maybe was a bit too slow to make some changes, but uh, it is mostly on the players as well to sort of stand up and be counted in a big game. Did they stand up? Well, we lost the game. Was it an honourable defeat? Probably not. Like, it's a hard one to answer, isn't it? That one. Depends what your definition of honourable is, but yeah, well, we, I mean, we, got, we gave people... it a fair crack and we lost. But you know, we we had our chances to win that game. We had our chances to stay on top, and once again, we couldn't uh, couldn't deliver. Mm. So just like last year, you know, near enough is uh, not so much good enough anymore. No, I don't think so. I uh, I have high expectations and. Uh... You know, especially after the first two rounds, I really thought the boys uh, were playing a lot better brand of football. And and look, I guess at the end, at the same time, um, what they're playing at the moment is definitely a lot better. 
um, than what they served up in the last two years. So, you know, even though we're being a bit critical at this point in time, um, I guess, you know, we just have high expectations. We do, and look, I don't like losing to the Crows. You know, it's the fourth time in a row we've lost to them now, five out of the last six. Um, they've certainly got the wood on us, and reminds me back uh, when we had the wood on them. You know, we were playing as a team, and they were playing as a group of individuals, and we've swapped places now. Um, mm. You know, they, they structure up perfectly, and they play together as a group, and uh, we don't do that. And I've got to say, though, just looking at the ladder, we're still fourth on the ladder, so it's not the end of the world. And, um, you know, you look at our defence, our defence is actually pretty strong. Like, score against, we're, um, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we're, we're able to limit the opposition score, which is a good thing. It probably helps that we played Creo. But, we, didn't, um, we didn't play bad on the weekend. We just uh, didn't win, that's all. Is it, we probably lost by a quarter, which is half a quarter in the second and third quarters, really, isn't it? Yeah. But again, it was the same story last year. And you mentioned that in the preseason as well, like, you know, one bad quarter loses us the game. Well, it's time we've got to try our very hardest to stop that from happening. Absolutely. What are the chat? What's the chat room saying? The chat is uh, going off, mate. Uh, Dylan's uh, offered to drink his own urine if uh, if something happy if uh, Lobi plays well. So uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> Please, Lobi, do. I want to see. I want to see a Facebook bloody live image of this one. That'd be great. Uh, Andre, golden shower. That's it. Andre has asked, uh, has our senior players wilted under pressure again? Uh, some of them never going to be mentally tough enough for these types of games. Oh, now you're firing me up, Macca. You're firing me. Yes, there's a couple there. Um, you know I've had Westhoff in my sights for a few years. And, mm. and yes, I did defend him last week. I thought his, uh, his positioning maybe was better, but... Um, that tap he did in the first quarter, I thought was horrendously bad for a, ma- a mature player. Uh, he could have taken the ball, um, and at worst he would have got tackled and could have had a stoppage. But he he almost looked scared to take the ball, to be honest, and just tried to tap it over his back, do something fancy to another poor player. Didn't even get it close to the poor player, and then ran that ball ran down. That was the Crows' first goal. It was a very very disappointing passage of play. Um, people are, you know, a lot of supporters are now starting to question what is Justin doing, um, and who knows. And I, I think the other one that seems to dodge a bullet, and I think even you might have graded him too highly, or maybe it was other people's feedback. But um, you know, Matthew Broadbent only had four disposals to half time, and it's not good enough. And again, he is another one of these repeat offenders that in clutch situations or clutch games, disappears or doesn't seize his opportunities. In in those moments, he doesn't seem to be able to raise a level. And it's players like um, like those guys that really influence the team in a negative way and they don't stand up repeatedly. Yeah. I will say that Brody was doing more of a shutdown role as opposed to his usual sort of free freewheeling sort of role. He, he had the job on Lynch and... Well, he didn't, you know, he got taken off Lynch. Lynch uh, played a great game, I thought. But, yeah, look, Brody certainly didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't think he was one of the worst, but uh, he probably could have played better. Westhoff was disappointing. Um, you've got to say, like, you never give up hope. But at this point in time, you know, a lot of our senior players are, you know, getting on a bit now. So you've got to say that uh, if they're not mentally tough enough to win these games now, then they're probably not going to. No, and they've been around long enough. And uh, I just honestly think that um, some of these players uh, have had their time in the yep. sun. And he is one of them. Mm. Uh, Us Against the Rest has asked, why has the Port Adelaide Footy Club become soft and accepting on and off the field? Are we? We were fighting off the field. There was fights everywhere. <laughs> So how Touché. we how we soft how we soft off the field? I think we could have certainly raised some points in the past few years about things that have happened. Um, uh, certainly on field, I think uh, we can be a little bit soft as well. Um, I, I guess the thing with that is that we're in the dire situation where we desperately had to grow the club, which means we had to appeal to a broader 
range of people than just the diehard Port Adelaide Footy Club fans. And in doing that, I think sometimes you let your standards slip. Yeah, I think on the field we've been a little bit soft at times. I would have, I mean, you could argue that first, the first half of the first quarter was not a soft game of football. That was intense and physically strong, and the players were up to the challenge. But we sort of drifted off from there, um, and uh, and then I didn't think we don't fly the, as I said earlier. We don't seem to fly the flag at the right times. Now off the field, I don't know what what are the what do they expect. Um, yeah, I mean, you want Koshy to come out and be hypercritical, and then what happens? And people complain he's got to shut his mouth and just stick to admin. Um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, that. Um, yeah, I, I think off the field we can't do much more. On the field is where the issue is. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Long Live PAFC has asked, uh, what's the missing piece of the puzzle port? Uh, should we have chased a Lewis or Mitchell type of player? What do you think? I don't think so. Probably, I don't think that would have been the missing piece. Um, I think, if anything, we need to go the other way and uh, attack the draft aggressively. Um, yeah, that's that's it for me, I think. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I was happy with our strategy. and Look, I don't think we need Band-Aid solutions like Lewis and Mitchell. I mean, how's Lewis going for Melbourne at the moment? Probably had a good weekend off, mate. <laughs> Probably hit the piss, smoked a few cones, <laughs> did all the good stuff in life that footy players do when they're suspended. Mm. Right, let's get on to the review. Showdown 42 came and went with the Crows winning their fourth consecutive showdown, this time by 17 points, 12 goals, 11 to a 15 goals, 10. Ollie Wines, Chad Wingard and Robbie Gray kicked two goals each. I guess the big question, mate, is uh, why did we lose this one? Um, why did we lose it? I think we the Crows were just a well-drilled outfit and a stronger drill outfit than us. And I guess from my observation, I thought they were able to nullify Ryder's influence, even though he had the extra dominance um, in the centre square. Um, we just didn't seem to get our players at the, at the fall of his taps. Um, so obviously we lost the clearances around the ground as well as in the centre square. Um, it seemed that the Crows um, took extra numbers to the fall of the ball. And uh, and I think they seemed like where I was in the Western stand, it was quite often they just had a loose player inside um, the oval side of the, uh, if I explain it right, inside the, inside the pack, like inside the oval. And that person was receiving the ball quite often, and the person that was giving it was running hard to receive it, which means their work rate was a lot harder. Yeah. And uh, they just worked a lot harder for longer than what the Port Adelaide players did. And because they were able to move the ball easier out of the clearance with a lot more speed, even though we had extra numbers behind the ball, really it didn't help us because they were obviously still able to find lots of holes and gaps um, with, even with those two spare players we had behind the ball, which means it defeated the purpose of having those there to try and run the ball back on a counter-attack. Um, I did think, however, that our defensive, defensive shape was holding up strong for reasonable periods of time, which it had for pretty much whole games the previous two weeks. So I could see the shape was there, but unfortunately a weight of numbers in pressure um, sort of became a little bit overwhelming in the end and, and the Crows were, were able to overcome it. I thought um, Tom Cleary got a little bit exposed by Taylor Walker. Uh, I thought Tom was trailing, you know, probably wasn't 100% on him and focused all the time and, and just got caught in that whole bit of Bobby Carlisle just trailing behind the defend, uh, the forward all the time and yeah. you know, being close but not close enough, so to speak. Um, uh, so I think he got caught out, um, you know, Houston, I think, maybe got a little bit overawed, but the thing I liked about Dan Houston as well was that he um, he kept presenting, however. So, uh, you know, he kept trying Houston the whole good. game. Houston yeah, was good so on the night. Cleary, he was. Yeah, look, Cleary, I thought Cleary had a really good first half um, and probably had the better of Walker up to halftime, but after halftime, he, he was nowhere. He was trailing 
by a good four or five metres, and Walker basically did what he wanted after half-time, and that was a big reason why they won. I mean, look, a highlight to me was... Um... Which quarter they was it the last quarter they kicked to the southern end? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. So in the last quarter, southwestern pocket, uh, I can't remember which pro player had the ball, but um, you know, Walker just you know ran forward, jogged forward, I should say, into the forward fifty. Clurie's behind him, and then you know, he just turns around and receives a fifteen metre chip kick without any pressure at all. Yeah. And, you know, Clurie just allows him to run to the ball, trailing behind, and then he kicks a goal on a nice angle from 45 metres out. I mean, that sort of just summed it up. You need to be more, uh, you need to be more consciously aware and, and have more adrenaline and just be, you know, not, not give him those easy kicks because you give a good player like that enough opportunities from that distance and they'll start nailing them. And that's what, and that's what he did. Uh, yeah. and that was sort of symptomatic because our midfield sort of seemed to be a little bit off, um, you know, some of our forwards, like Chad, seemed to be a little bit off. There was just too many players on the night that just were there but weren't there at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Look, why did we lose? I think, quite simply, we lost control of the game too easily and, and allowed them the chance to take back uh, that control. Um, and it's happened numerous times over the last uh, sort of 18 months where we've had a really good first quarter and then come the second quarter, we almost sort of drop our intensity by 5-10% and it allows the opposition back in. And then uh, when the pressure's on and things get a bit tough, we can't regain that control again until it's too late. Uh, that's happened a good sort of five or six times in the last uh, season and a bit. And um, you know we really need to work on that. Our bold movement uh, coming out of the back line was a, <laughs> a bit of a disaster through the, the middle two quarters. Uh, it was just really bomb and hope stuff, as I mentioned before. And, you know, we, we played dumb football. And the Crows, where I can sit now, I can see the structures very clearly. And the Crows had up to eight players sometimes on their own as a defensive zone, all set up for the kick and hope out of their back line. And time and time again, it went over the heads of our players and straight down the throats of one of those eight players. And all we did was kick it to them pretty much time and time again. And not once did any of our forwards think to move further up the ground and, and not allow them so many uncontested marks for the, for the clearance kick. You know, it was just yeah. pretty pretty silly football. And uh, and for me, that was very, very poor coaching. Um, I thought we struggled when delivering the bowl inside 50. We only took nine marks inside 50 from 58 entries, which is uh, pretty poor. Um, again, we sort of kicked over heads, you know, or sort of ground bowls and just couldn't hit targets on the night. Um, and that, quite simply, they bossed us in the contest and the clearance once again, and as they've done for the last two years now, and uh, the likes of Sloan and Douglas um, and Matt Crouch pretty much uh, did what they wanted through those middle two quarters uh, in the midfield, and that's um, where they got control of the game. One player I thought who stood up, who's been under a lot of criticism, especially early, was Hamish Hartlett. I thought when the, when the heat of the battle was on, I thought Hamish... Uh, you know, he kept going for the hard ball. He was going low. He was putting his body on the line. And uh, he seemed, you know, watching the game live, obviously, he always get a little bit distracted. Um, but he seemed to be using the ball reasonably well. Um, yeah, I, I thought our transition was there. We had a few coast-to-coast movements as well. So we were yeah. able to, to transition the ball quite well. But, yeah, we just seemed to panic. And I think that's because they kept getting extra numbers to the fall of the ball. Yeah. For sure. Look, I thought Hammer played a pretty good game, to be honest. I thought, you know, he had a really tough opponent in McGovern, who's a taller, stronger, uh, is one of the best contested marks in the league. And uh, when Hammer went to him, I thought, oh my God, what are they doing? Uh, but he actually kept McGovern pretty well quiet the entire night, which I thought was great. Um, and he provided a little bit going back the other way as well. So he, he did make some errors. Uh, and there was probably two or three moments in, I think, the third quarter, which he'd like to forget. Uh, but overall, I thought Hammer's performance was uh, more on the positive side. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, I thought Darcy Byrne-Jones was fantastic once again, too. Mm. Yeah, he was pretty good, I thought. Um, probably a little bit sloppy. Again, Like he was one of the worst offenders of the, uh, let's just boot it as hard as we can, uh, out of the defensive 50. Um, and I reckon a good sort of four or five of his kicks did come straight back in. Um, but defensively, he was pretty good on the night. So, you know, we had the discussion before the game. Um, a lot of fans were talking about bringing uh, 
uh, Houston in. Uh, sorry, not Houston. Pittard in for Houston. So, you know, or Amon. Do you think uh, Pittard should have come back in? It's a tough one to say. Would we have won the game if he came back in? I don't think we would have. I don't, I don't think know. it would have made much difference, to be honest. Well, I, I guess... Because Houston did I'm... his job. Houston was great. Um, even after he got yeah. whacked, he was uh, still doing his job. You know, he took a, he took some really good marks. Again, he was um, brilliant with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, you take him out, you put Pirard in. I don't think we win the game. Yeah, I don't know. I think I thought Amon, Amon was very, very inconspicuous and... Um... And uh, and Houston was sort of in and out, but you can un- completely understand that one. Um, you know, I think I think Pittard would have influenced the game a little bit more. And but it, you know, I wouldn't be adverse to actually you know Broadbent out and Pittard in. I just yeah, I look, honestly, I just think these senior players mm. that fade in and out need to be held accountable. And, well, it might uh, happen. That very well might happen. Well, I hope so. Mm. We need look, to make a Amon was uh, after some. I thought two reasonably impressive first uh, first couple of games. Uh, he was a bit disappointing on the weekend, and you know, he got a bit of the ball, but uh, he just burned it. And uh, once again, he, sh- he had his customary uh, zero awareness. Let's get done holding the ball at a crucial time uh, thing, which he's done about six or seven times now. Um, like the tools are there, the talents there. He's just got to put it together and. Uh, I don't know. You can't really afford to have that sort of lack of awareness uh, in crucial games. No, and you know, and that costs games. And I think that's uh, you know, I guess I was for all for rewarding um, the people that have been winning. But I guess this is where um, putting under the heat of the battle it exposes the the players that need more time and aren't completing completely up to it. And I guess. Amon, Broadbent, and uh, Westhoff were three that were un- really under the microscope for me. Yeah. Uh, Brett Eddy, how did you see his game? Was that a performance which <laughs> sort of showed he might not be good enough for this level, or do you think he was a little bit unlucky on the night? Oh, I think he was a bit unlucky on the night. I think it's a bit of a harsh call. Um, you know, we didn't have uh, we didn't have great delivery. He wasn't really he wasn't really used as an option that often. I thought his goal that he kicked was quite nice. I'm pretty sure he did was a, couple, a, good goal. a couple of. I'm um, pretty sure, yeah, you would have been almost right behind that one. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he uh, he had a couple of goal assists as well. Uh, I thought he was strong at the uh, at the contest uh, numerous times uh, for for minimal uh, disposal. So um, look, I think there's a lot greater issues than Brett Eddy, and I think. Uh, yeah, just um, putting a line through him is probably a bit early. I think we still need him in the side, and I do like what he brings to the side when he gets the ball. He's a he's a very smart user of the ball, and uh, that goalie kick was great. Um, his lack of pace off the mark is showing a bit at the moment, and I, I can see clubs maybe uh, putting someone smaller but quicker on him and uh, trying to run off him a fair bit. And I think if that situation occurs, he might be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, absolutely, but he's still finding his way and yeah, I think there's other people that we need to look at above him at this point in time and I'd be happy to keep him in for our structures. Yeah. Uh, Pal Pepper, uh, he was much talked about before the game, uh, his first showdown. How do you think he went? Oh, look, a bit overawed, I guess. And he, and he took a hard knock uh, early. One of the Crows players came in with a... Um, with a flying fit, uh, knee to his sternum, but you know he kept persevering and playing on, and uh, yeah, he wasn't our worst player by any means, and uh, yeah, I mean I'm not willing to say oh we need to drop him yet. You know it was just one game, and I guess the big test is going to be for him come up against GWS, which is starting to uh, roll together a little bit more. Yeah, look, I thought he was poor in the first half. I thought maybe he was a little bit overawed. He was trying a bit too hard. Um... But after halftime, I thought he, he got into the rhythm a fair bit and uh, did have a bit of an impact after that. And again, he kicked a really nice goal. Again, a, a fairly long goal, I think, from memory too. So, um, yeah, he certainly tried hard. And, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be good for him to uh, to play in that sort of game, I think. Yeah. So, uh, look, I mean, for Houston, 
um, SPP, all those guys. I mean, it's their first one. And, um, you know, yeah, they're going to be better for it. You know, and then where are we playing? We're playing at Blacktown or Canberra. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so they're going to go from that to like 2,000 people in freezing cold. I mean, the bipolar opposite. But, yeah, yeah, it will be a great experience for them. Mm. Uh, Jonas's job on bets. How do you think that went? Uh, Yeah, I made the comment uh, to the people that I was with how does um, Eddie Betts knock Tom Jonas over when, you know, Tom Jonas is a tank. That and was, I was like, well, That was so And weird. I was like, Eddie Betts must be defe- uh, deceptively strong uh, because there's no way the size... Did- I mean, Tom Jonas is a big bloody guy. He'd be my weight, probably 92, 93 kilos, but all muscle. Mm. Um, unlike me, probably fat. And, uh, you know, and he's a big guy and Eddie Betts just pushed him over... Um, pretty easily, and I, but I guess that's what happens if you if you don't have your body weight and your body position in the right position. That just shows that smaller players or smaller people can still knock you over. So from our perspective, it looks weak, um, but you know, I guess from Tom's perspective, he just did not have his body and weight in the right positioning. And and look, Eddie Betts is bloody clever and a good player at taking advantage of that and. Yeah, but I'm sure Tom wouldn't have liked it. But after that, overall, I thought Tom had a pretty serviceable game and, you know, he'd have to be probably in the top five of the best players at the moment for the footy club after three rounds. Yeah, you'd think so. Look, I thought he had a fairly dirty start to the game. You mentioned that uh, that contest there and that was a, a very poor one. But um, And with the way bet started, you thought, God, he's going to kick double figures here or something silly like that. But... Jonas uh, slowly sort of uh, worked his way into the game and uh, did have a very good second half, I thought as well, and, and did manage to shut bets out um, after that um, after that sort of big first quarter that he had, uh, which was handy. Um, so how Paul, much? How bad? How bad? Badly did we miss Jack Jake Holmes? Uh, reasonably, I think. Yeah, I think he would have been a better option than Pittard coming in. Yes. Um, and I think if Homcher was out there, uh, there is a fair chance we might have won the game. Well, I'm pretty sure there was a couple of marks that were taken that wouldn't have been taken if he was playing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. He was a big loss. He was a big, big loss because Walker was going off the chain and we had really had no one else that could sort of go on him um, without sort of robbing Peter to pay poll uh, a little bit. So in that regard... Um, yeah, he was a massive loss. Is his um, durability becoming questionable? Oh, I guess or it just, has to, doesn't it? Or just a little bit unlucky at the moment? Uh, it might be luck, but um, I don't know. He's had a couple of uh, poor seasons injury-wise, so maybe it is becoming a bit of a trend. Mm, correct. That's it. Um, Polek, I thought, was uh, was pretty good again. Uh, he's certainly in consistent form this year. I really liked his run and carry. And again, the things he's doing in close along the boundary line is exceptional. Um, and again, he was one of our better players in terms of delivering the ball and, and thinking before he kicked. Yeah, Jared's in great form as well. And you know, if we're talking about top five players, he'd have to be in there. Uh, he's, you know, that injury rumor obviously. Um, uh, wasn't true because he ran beautifully well and he was always presenting. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, he's. You, I just can't. I love watching Jared play. He's a great player, and um, yeah, it's just great to see him out on the park after what he's been through. That's it. Anything else you want to add, mate? Um, yes, because I won't be on on Thursday. Unfortunately for you guys, I'll be flying to Bali. Um, nice. and enjoying the lovely weather over there. So I guess the que- the one question that I have is, what do we do with Brendan Archie? Well, 30, was... dis- 30 disposals, 10 tackles or 10 marks, 7 tackles, 3 goals. Uh, he's had a pretty solid start to the season before that game. Um, really, you have, you have to reward good form surely don't you you kind of do and look 
We'll talk about that now. The Maggies uh, started their premiership campaign on uh, Friday night against Glenelg. And uh, once again, like the showdown, it wasn't a fruitful one. Uh, they also lost by 17 points in a very similar scoreline, 13 goals 7 to 15 goals 12. Arch was the clear best on ground with that uh, huge performance, whilst uh, Laddams, Marshall and Reynolds all kicked two goals each. But yeah, 30 touches, 10 marks, 3 goals, 7 tackles, 7 inside 50s. On form, you'd say he's got to come in. But does that make our midfield very one-dimensional? Why is that? Because we've got three other tall midfielders who maybe lack a little bit of uh, leg speed uh, in that midfield already. Could it be rotated? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, if people are throwing up Atlee's name mm-hmm. into the mix, he, he isn't an express midfielder either, though, is he? He's got good pace. He's significantly quicker than what Archie is. You reckon? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know, but uh, I guess that's the dilemma. Well, it's a tough one. Have, it's a tough one you have, because you sort that's, of have that's to a reward game. that form. Oh yeah. Look, Archie's pretty much been the forgotten man this preseason, and he's now come from the clouds and had an absolute huge best on ground performance. Um. And on face value, you'd say you, you probably got to reward that, but uh, it will depend what they've uh, spoken about with uh, with Arch through the preseason and whether they, whether they want to see that on a consistent basis before they bring him back in. Because as we've seen with Archie in the past, he's had huge games, and then uh, the, the week after, he's had a bit of a quiet one as well, and he lacks that bit of consistency. But um, look, I'm not against bringing him in. I, I do like Arch and I like what he brings, but. Yeah, I'm just concerned it might make our midfield a little bit one-dimensional. So does it almost um, have to be SPP drops form consistently for a while and then you replace him with Archie if he holds his form? Maybe, yeah. Or it depends if Eber goes back to a different sort of role or whether Wines plays a bit more outside. It really depends on the team, who else gets injured, all that sort of thing. Yeah, but... uh... Look, I, at the end of the day, you know, we've been a big Archie fan, um, you know, and it would be great to see him get some consistency and, and even deliver it at AFL level on a consistent basis. And, you know, we'd be pretty happy if he could do that. Yeah, um, for sure. So it's good to, good to see that happening. And I'm a big Atley fan too, as you know. So uh, Well, he had uh, a big game as well. He had 23 he, touches, 11 tackles, four inside 50. So uh, for a first-game player that's playing at senior level, um, that is a, an exceptional performance, I think. So what happened with the Maggies? Why um, why did they lose? Everyone was talking about how good a side we were putting on the park. Mm. Well, look, it was a good side, but uh, we had no answer for their um, gun recruit key forward in Liam McBean, who was uh, on Richmond's list for the last three or four years, uh, crossed over to uh, Glenelg this year and kicked six goals. Um, so we, we had no real answer for him. He took uh, eight marks as well, uh, which is uh, not good signs for Logan Austin, I don't think. Because uh, if he's allowing Liam McBean to uh, have a big day out and a, a career-best game on him, then that's a bit of a problem. Yes, I, I agree. So, But Logan's coming back from injury, right? Yep, that's true. Look, they also they, they had too much uh, midfield, like clean midfield dominance, I think, on the night. Uh, they got a lot of the ball. Uh, we had a lot more inside 50s, um, and we certainly uh, attacked the inside 50s pretty hard. Uh, but maybe it was the uh, the young uh, forward line that we've got out there. Maybe they just uh, couldn't get it together on the night. Yeah, well, I guess it's a bit disappointing because everyone was sort of excited that uh, we were going to smash Glenelg, and you know we did have a pretty strong team, and I guess uh, Cracker and uh, Pittard really didn't maybe go at 100% without seeing the game. But, um, yeah, you know, you would have hoped that their influence uh, would have been a little bit stronger. And I guess, you know, that side that was out, we probably really should have beaten a, a reasonable essay in a field side, surely. Yeah, for sure. The disappointing performance for me was Riley Bonner. He was sitting on about three disposals for most of the game. Uh, got a fair bit of it late, but... Uh... You know, for someone that's uh, on the verge or, or should be on the verge of getting good game time, um, 
that was a pretty disappointing, a pretty disappointing effort for me. Um, maybe with the forward line, we're, we're a bit top heavy because we're having to play uh, a lot of tolls out there. You know, we've got Loby in the ruck, we've got Laddams, who's a ruckman who was playing up forward, we've got Frampton, who's a ruckman who was playing up forward and also swapping in the ruck, and then we've got Todd Marshall as well, uh, who did have a, a pretty impressive uh, first game out. Uh, 15 touches and a couple of goals, which was nice. Uh, but maybe we're just a little bit top-heavy. Yeah, potentially. And, and, I mean, that's one of the dilemmas we've got when we've got a few big guys and we've got to try and play them all, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I see uh, I see Ryan's trying to blame the uh, umpires for the loss. Oh. Don't know. Don't know about that. You don't know? I agree with Dylan. I agree with Dylan though. We should just reward Logan Oskin for having a cool name. He's got he's got the best name on our list. It is. It is. Uh, it was yeah. thirty two free kicks to twenty, so they did get a fair few more. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not too sure you can blame the umpires to be honest. But um, yeah, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good it's a good cop out. I think we should blame the. The umpires for the the showdown loss as well. I mean, mm. what was going on with the um, that Chad non-free in the last quarter when he was getting ridden by like a racehorse? Well, as I think Janus or Schultz and Fest said on Big Footy, uh, just attack the ball and you're probably going to get the free kick instead of waving your arms about and folding over. You know, try and get the ball and the umpire is going to see that you're going to be held. If you're throwing your arms and waving them about they're going to assume that uh, you're putting it on a bit. So right. I th- it was clearly a free kick because he was clearly being held, but I can understand why the umpires didn't give it. No, nah, bullshit. If it's a free kick, you pay it. It doesn't matter what the other player is doing. I mean, there was one where Robbie Gray dived forward in the middle of the ground, and I actually didn't think it was a free kick because he really initiated that, but they paid that one. So it doesn't matter if you're hamming it up a little bit. I mean, we see players do that all the time. I mean, otherwise, what's why play pay a deliberate out of bounds off a off a missed kick when a player's just trailing behind the ball with the arms out, going, "Give me a free kick." Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, well, I thought I, we had a good run. Honestly, I thought we had the better of the umpiring on the night. To be honest, so I don't think we can really blame umpires for the showdown loss either. No, no. The, look, there was two or three obvious ones that we should have got, but there was probably. Two or three obvious ones that uh, the Crows uh, were pretty hard done by as well, I think. Right. Okay. So now Ryan's trying to make excuses that it's not him. It's Kane <laughs> Corn, so it's whinging about the free kicks. Uh, look, two other players for the Maggies that I wanted to talk about. Willem Drew's first game at that level as well. He was uh, reasonably impressive. He kicked a goal, a really nice goal off a pack um, and had 15 touches. So uh, he's one to look out for in uh, coming weeks as well. Hopefully he can... Uh, you can grow from that performance and, and start hitting those uh, sort of low to mid twenties. Um, and the other one was Jimmy Tumpus. Look, he was on four touches at halftime, and uh, you know Jimmy Tumpus was what a pick four. He should be dominating at that level. Um, he looks an absolute mile off at this point in time. So what's going on with the Tump? Is he injured? I don't think so. I, I just think he's uh, terribly out of form, and um, I don't know. That's that's all you can put it down to at the moment. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. I feel mm. sorry for him. It's yeah, but he's not the first high draft pick to fizz out, whether it's injuries or just not up to it. Um, yeah, but uh, who knows? Mm. That's it. Well, mate, that's all I've got for this evening. Really, you're normally chattier than this. Part of, do you know, part of me thought about the showdown. Did we use too much juice in the first quarter? Like, it was a really physical game in that first 15 minutes. Mm. Uh, high impact, a lot of body on the line. But we played and... out the game. Like, I'd understand if we, if we were in front and the Crows overran us in the last sort of 20, 30 minutes, but it's not how it played out. Like we we came back hard in the latter half of the third quarter and through the last quarter we we tried very hard and you know if, if Sam Gray kicks that goal and we get a bit more momentum going we we could well have won the game. 
Mm. True. But, uh, yeah, I thought maybe because at the end of the first quarter, there was a lot of poor players that had their hands on their knees, like bent over, so they were blowing. And uh, so, yeah, I, maybe I thought we did expend a bit of too much energy too too quickly. And, and now yeah, Ryan's trying to backtrack and say that I'm trolling him. I uh, I need to make sure that I'm in this chat room earlier when the show's going on. Yeah. But uh, all good, my friend. Um, have fun while I'm away. Mm-hmm. I should be able to. I should be able to do the show from Bali on next Monday if you want. I'll uh, and uh, yeah, that should be fun. Possibly, we'll talk. If you want me to, <laughs> we shall talk. And you enjoy Bali, mate. I will enjoy Bali. And James Murray wanted a prediction before we went for next week. Oh. we'll talk about that on Thursday night. Well, while I, whilst I'm here quickly, what's your prediction? Oh, GWS by five, six goals at this early stage. Yeah? And yeah. is Hawthorne doing what Hawthorne does? Tanking for draft picks? Well, they don't have draft picks. So if they're tanking, they've either forgotten that they traded out their first rounder or they're doing it all wrong. <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite simply. Because well, they're not going to get any sort of decent draft pick this year. Are they, ho- are they hoping that they can do what they did many years ago and get pro- a priority pick again? Well, they're definitely not going to get a priority pick. But I think it goes to show that um, that's it for Hawks, I think. Uh, that era of Hawthorne is now done. It's over. Well, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that you're burning your Hawthorne membership. <laughs> hey? That's it. Look, there, there must be so many uh, members that, uh, that jumped on the bandwagon in the last couple of years that are... Uh, uh, that are crying themselves to sleep at the moment. But look, they, they had a good run. Four consecutive grand finals. They won three premierships in a row. Um, yes. As as we said uh, uh, in the pre-season and over the last couple of weeks as well, like what are they? What are the older players there have to play for? Like They've already achieved everything that they've wanted to do in their footy career. Um, they were playing for history last year. They didn't make it. Uh, what What are they playing for now? Yeah, and I mean, as a compliment to them, how often did we compare ourselves to them over the last few years as well? Hmm. Look, we saw the same with Brisbane after after we beat them in the uh, 04 Grand Final. They didn't make the uh, the finals for I think four or five years after that, and they still had a, a team full of their Premiership stars. Um, yeah, but that's the thing when, when you're going for something so huge as winning four in a row and you don't get it, and the dream's over. I don't know. And I always I find it interesting, like, I think every era of a football club is the culture is determined by a couple of players and they have a lot more influence than what we think. Um, you know, so if we go back to Port, you know, Fiachi and Timmy G and Delaney and then you got Brisbane were there, you know, Voss and Simon Black and, uh, you know, you, and... Yeah, even if you go to SNFL, what the Gowan brothers were able to do for Centrals, um, you know, and it's um, it's really interesting when you move just a couple of those cultural influencing players from a side uh, like Hawthorne has with Mitchell and Lewis, um, what damage it can do to the culture quite quickly. And, uh, you know, I think that's a major impact for a side like Hawthorne at this point in time. Oh, for sure. No doubt about that at uh, at all, I think um, that was a huge issue for them, and uh, and certainly going forward too. The other big surprise, I guess, was uh, Frio after their disgraceful performance against us. They beat the premiers. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't even realise they won it until just before because I thought they were in front, and then um, didn't the Bulldogs hit the front? They did. The, Frio led for most of the game, and then the Dogs came pretty hard and. Frio kicked, I think, the last six goals of the game. So, uh, good for them. And um, and I guess it goes to show that uh, sometimes dropping poor-performing senior players can uh, can pay off. Yeah, well, Daniel Pearce got dropped, didn't he? He did. One of uh, yeah. one of many senior players that got dropped on the, on the day. And, uh, look, some of their younger players have played really, really well. Brady Gray had a, had a big game. Hayden Crozier came back into the side, played really, really well as, as well. 
Cam McCarthy looked a bit more like a footballer, which was good for him. Yeah. Yeah, look, I guess that's where it shows that sometimes you have to send a message, a strong message to senior players, don't you? That's it. But uh, anyway, I'd better let you go to your young family. I'm going to go for a run around the block, so uh, let's get mate. going. King amongst men, mate. Yes. <laughs> let's do it. That's it. Until next time, count the pair. Adios. Go the power. Pacha. Black! Black!